you will understand this video the more we get into the message. It is a very moving time uh, that took place during what they're talking about. I would like to start off with the uh, verse Isaiah that's uh, in Isaiah 61 and 3. This verse is actually a part, uh, Isaiah was, was telling Israel, this is what the Lord wants from you. Now, this is part of the passage that Jesus read in Luke when he says, the Lord has anointed me, you know, to spread the good news, kind of like that second song they sang, to spread the good news, to, to uh, heal the brokenhearted. This is the last part of that. And this is the Lord speaking not just to Israel, but in today, he's speaking to us. It says to, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. Other translations say trees. Oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he, that he may be glorified. And this is the Lord speaking to us, and you're going to see how this ties in as we get along in this message. It, it is a very good message. I think I've already said that before. But in this world, we can understand, or some of us understand, that things that seem small can escalate very quickly into something big. Whereas you're, you're sitting there thinking, what in the world just happened? So 108 years ago, this gentleman that you see on the picture here, he is an Austrian. This gentleman's name is Franz Ferdinand. He was assassinated back in 1914. That's a long time ago. And he wasn't the leader of a great country. You know, he wasn't, and I don't want to take away from him, but he wasn't anyone that uh, important or, or, or spectacular. He was an archduke in Austria. But what happened, his assassination sparked a global conflict. And it sparked it quickly. After he was assassinated, Austria declared war on Serbia because they thought they were the ones who assassinated Ferdinand. Russia, protecting their Serbian uh, brothers, declared war on Austria. Germany declared war on Russia. France declared war on Germany. Germany declared war on Belgium. And then finally, Britain declared war on Germany. This all took place in less than one week. That is how quickly this conflict started over this man's assassination. Now, again, we're not taking away from this gentleman's life, but it did not have to turn into a global conflict that we know today as World War I or the Great War. I've heard it called the war to end all wars. How, do we, how many of us know that that didn't happen? Uh, because we went on and had World War II and so on and so forth. But it didn't have to escalate that. During that time, that world, during World War I, it is estimated that approximately 20 
million people lost their lives in the war due to a new war tactic or warfare tactic called trench warfare. Now, if you don't know trench warfare, this is where your side digs in, you dig trenches, the other side draws their line, digs trenches, and then you just hide down in the trenches, and then you just lob ammo back and forth at each other. That's all it is. You never truly come face to face with the enemy. You just know that the enemy is over there in their trench, and we just need to keep shooting ammo over there until we take them out. And then they're doing the same thing to, uh, to you know, your side. And because of this type of warfare, um, I've heard it called also, I've seen it to where they call it the bloodiest stalemate ever. And the reason why they call it that is because in the four years of this war, neither side gained a position. They never moved. In other words, nothing was accomplished during this war except 20 million lives being taken. That is a lot of souls. During this time, about six months into the war, after the war started, was the first Christmas. And on that Christmas Eve, there's a, there's a, a, a British officer by the name of Bruce Barnesfather. I looked this up. It's in his memoirs and, and, and other uh, soldiers' memoirs that that night on Christmas Eve, while they were dug down in their trenches, you know, worried about how they're going to leave... I mean, basically, the only way you left the trench was in an ambulance because you were either injured or you were dead. So they're worried about this. Well, on the other side, or, or out of nowhere, they start hearing Christmas carols being sung. And then someone, we don't know who it was, got up and walked into no man's land. Y'all remember, in between the trenches, it's called no man's land because if you walked... If you got out in that area, you were guaranteed you were going to get hit by mortar or ammo or something. And he called out, and he was calling out the other side to say, hey, let's have a truce right now. Because when they got together, both sides came out. They found out that they were all Christians, imagine that, and they all celebrated Christmas, our Savior's birth. So in the middle of this no man's land, they started to get to know each other. They were celebrating Christmas with each other. They were playing games. They were talking. They were sharing their food. They were getting to know one another. You can imagine the change that it made in these men. Here they are. They come face to face with the enemy. They got to know the enemy. And it changed them so much that when it came time the next day to start fighting, nobody wanted to pull the trigger because they got to know that person on the other side. It, it got so bad that the commanding officers had to take many of these soldiers and transfer them off somewhere else just so they would shoot their guns because they couldn't kill the person they got to know. As a matter of fact, it made such a change that later years they created a rule. I'm sure many of you have heard this, the no fraternization rule. 
That rule is to where that you cannot fraternize with the enemy because you may get to know the enemy and you won't want to kill the enemy because you know them. Imagine that. Getting to know your enemy. That sounds very familiar to what Jesus said. He says, love your enemy. What this became known as when this gentleman wrote about it and he wrote a book about it, it's called The Christmas Truce of 1914 in the middle of no man's land. But in today's world, in today's society, there are so many people entrenched in their own trenches based off of their beliefs, based off of their political beliefs based off of their religious beliefs and we're so entrenched in our trenches and all we're doing is just hurling ammo or what we would call insults or or our opinion at each other not worrying about whether those opinions or differences hurt somebody else because we don't come face to face on social media you may see their profile picture, but we don't know them. So it's easy to sit there on a keyboard and tell them what for, which is crazy. It's evil. It's become evil. It may have started off just like everything. I mean, goodness, we're dealing with people, y'all. Because once, once those men got to know each other, they started learning, you know what? You're a human just like I am. You're a Christian. You believe in God, just like I do. We're just humans trying to make it through this messed up world. And so they had, it changed their lives. It changed their heart. And that's what we want to talk about today. We need to have a truce and we need to make a difference. So we're declaring today, right now, the truce, the Christmas truce of 2022. Can y'all believe that? Can y'all give an amen on that? We need this. Husband and wives coming together. Families coming back together. Democrats and Republicans coming together. Okay? I said it in first service. Pelosi and Trump coming together. <laughs> you got to have hope. <laughs> I don't know if that's hope or I don't know what that is. But let's, but let's talk about a truce. Here's what a truce is. This is your first blank. A truce is a suspension in the fight. And Christmas is a good catalyst to do that. You know, I talked about earlier, uh, and I said it in first service, that Christmas just, I was trying to figure out why I love this time of year. Now, my Christmas season, okay, starts on September 1st. Uh, uh, Saturday game day uh, and ends at the Super Bowl time that's all Christmas for me right in there okay and in all honesty it's kind of like eating season for me because you got well one you got to eat during on Saturday during the football game uh, you got Halloween you got Thanksgiving which is like a federal law you have to eat uh, everything that gets put on your plate uh, and then of course you have Christmas you got to gotta have Christmas cookies I'm working on my Santa figure 
Um, January, I'll try and work. Well, I really don't have any other figures, so this, this is about as good as it's going to get. Um, <laughs> but a suspension in the fight, it's, it's like, okay, I know we have differences, but let's set them aside and let's work this out. Okay? A, a suspension starts, this is how they work. This is how it starts to get to a truce. The first thing you have to do is someone has to take the first step. Someone has to be the one to come out and say, hey, let's get this taken care of. Now, I don't know how many of you may be like me. I hate to admit it, but I'm kind of one of those, I ain't taking the first, I didn't say it. It ain't my fault. They owe me an apology. So I'm not going to take the first step. Has has anyone else done that? Maybe just just me. Pray for me, apparently. Uh, (laughs) It's like this couple, I don't know if you ever heard of this couple. Now, if you were in first service, just laugh like you've heard this the first time. There was a couple who was basically playing the silent game because they were mad at each other. Has that ever happened to y'all? I ain't going to be the first one to talk because the first one that talks loses the argument. Okay? So the husband, had to, he had to get a flight the next day for his work. So he had to be up at 5 a.m. to catch the flight. So, being the man that he is, he wrote a note to his wife and put it on her pillow and said, wake me up at 5 a.m., I have a flight. Well, the next morning, he doesn't wake up until 9 a.m. Well, he wakes up. He's mad. He's about to lose the game because he's going to give her what for. And he looks down at his nightstand, and there's a note that says, it's 5 a.m., wake up. (laughs) There's no winning in in that war. Uh, she gave him a what for just by that little, it's amazing, just by that little note kind of told him where he stood, okay? But we do that. We have to take the first step. The next thing we've got to do is we have to be willing to drop our weapons. We have to be willing to drop our ideology, our religious beliefs, our political beliefs. We have to be willing to drop those Because what's happening is, is we make the thing we believe in more important than the person. And when that happens, you can never have, you can never resolve the, the argument. We have to take that step. And then we have to focus on what unites us. It's like we have differences But even though we have differences, they don't have to get so evil and vile. I mean, y'all, I've seen people on Facebook that they just say things. It it makes me sick that some of the things people say to each other, Christians or religious, not Christians, religious people bantering back and forth about their religious, it gets ugly it gets to the point to where, okay, this isn't just a difference. This is, I hate you. I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. But, right, but I hate you because you don't believe what I believe. Man, we're seeing that in our government right now. I try not to stay too much on that one. But, man, if, if, if here's one of those God promises, if the government would give themselves to God, and get rid of the hate, could you imagine how even greater this great country we live in could be? My goodness. 
So we've got to be the start. As Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to be the ones to take that first step. Because what happens is, is, oh, let me tell you this little story. This happened to me on Thanksgiving, just this past Thanksgiving. Uh, we, me and my family, we were going to go to uh, Vernon because they do a, a big Christmas dinner over there. And I needed oil for the truck. So uh, O'Reilly's was open. So I go into O'Reilly's. And I didn't think anything about it. I thought I was being polite, okay? I walk into O'Reilly's and I said, hey, sorry, I got to come in here, but I got to get oil. He goes, apparently you're not or you wouldn't have come in. I'm like, dude, I could take my business somewhere. I was thinking, I'd take my business somewhere else. But, man, the Holy Spirit stopped me. And I told him, I says, you know what? You're right. That was the wrong thing to say. Because really, was I sorry? If I was sorry, I wouldn't have gone in. I would have said, I'll get it later. What I should have said was, hey, thanks for being open. You really helped me out. I needed oil for my car. He called me out on it. So when we start uniting, when we start... I mean, you've got to be careful what you say. We have to think about what we say. Because, and, and, the, and that, and that uh, word sorry is kind of like, uh, like the word love. It is so overused that de- you're saying sorry, but do you really mean it? It's, you know, it's kind of like saying, I love pizza, I love God. You know, there's a difference. It's just over, in, in the American culture, it's just overused. Because when people tell me you're sorry, sometimes I, it, that's why this happened to me on Thanksgiving Day. I had to learn my lesson. Because I'll say that. I'll say I'm sorry, but it's like, do I really mean it? Because when you say you're sorry, that means you won't do it again. Anyway, that part of the sermon was free. <laughs> But what happened to those men that night on Christmas Eve? They got to know each other, and they left there changed. And that's what happens. In a truce, we have, to, uh, we have to leave changed. And what we want to happen this Christmas season is we just don't want to attend a Christmas event. We want to experience a Christmas change. We want to experience this truce. And in the world, the worldview of dealing with issues like this, conflicts, they call it conflict resolution. And a conflict resolution is, is that you sit down and you figure out who's right and who's wrong. You take everything up to that point and say, well, you did this, you did this, you did this. So you're the loser and we declare these people a winner. That's what a resolution does that's the world view on how to deal with conflict the biblical way to look at conflict the bible uses not resolution but it uses reconciliation now reconciliation is this to bring back together by bringing the balance to zero resolution says okay you've done this so you've got to pay for this for us to resolve this problem. Reconciliation says, and this is what Jesus did for us, it doesn't matter what you did. We're bringing your balance. I'm bringing your balance back to zero, and we're reconciled. 
And when we reconcile ourselves with Jesus Christ, we're reconciled with God. Not because of what we did, not because of the works we do, but because of what Jesus did. He brought our balance back to zero. He didn't sit down, and if he, he didn't sit down with me and say, hey, let's talk about your sins and let's resolve this. We never, we would still be talking today and beyond about my sins. But he just brought it back to zero. He says, I forgive you. Let's start now. Let's reconcile with each other and let's move forward. It's, you know, Daniel brought this up uh, Wednesday night at first, first Wednesday if you weren't here. It was really good. God never said that he will forget your sins. He said, I will remember your sin no more. Which means he's saying is, because God's um, uh, um, (laughs) all-knowing. That's the Greek word for it, all-knowing. So he can't forget it. It goes against his character. He's all-knowing. But what he says is, is, I will never bring it up against you again. You've asked forgiveness. I've forgiven you of that. And I will never bring it up. I don't know if y'all have ever had in a relationship where you can't remember what you had for dinner the night before, but you can certainly remember what they did to you back in 2005. Right? And that, but that's not God. God will not do that to us. He will not come back and say, well, remember what you did. No. It's balanced. In Ephesians 2 and 14, this is what Christ did for us. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles, which at that time, that was the two groups that were just basically at each other. Jews and Gentiles into one people, when in his own body on the cross... He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulation. I'm sorry. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. In other words, he brought the two groups that were at war with each other and he brings them together. Together as one body, Christ reconciled reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. In other words, through Jesus, God brings our balance to zero. And that's what God wants. God... It is not God's will that any should perish. Word says that. He wants us to come back to him. He wants us to come home. Just like the prodigal son. When the, when the, when the father saw the son you know, coming down the road from afar, he didn't get to the son and say, well, hey, son, we got to talk about what you did. No, he embraced him. And he said, my son is alive. He was dead, but now he's alive. That's what God wants to do with us. He's not going to come back and say, well, hey, we got to talk about what you did. 
It's like, no, you've come home. And we're going to celebrate it. I've said this before. All of heaven celebrates the one sinner that returns home. Did y'all know that? So the day you gave your life to Christ, all of heaven was celebrating you. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us that ministry to reconcile. That God was reconciling the word, the, excuse me, the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and He was committed to us the message of reconciliation. When we are reconciled with God, He gives us the power to reconcile with others. We had our freedom conference last week, and that was the main theme throughout everything we went through Jesus through the Holy Spirit gives us his authority and his power to overcome anything in this world to overcome Satan Satan is a defeated foe Jesus defeated him on the cross when he said father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing he was already defeated we need to accept that and take that and say through the power of Jesus Christ and his blood you have no authority over me Satan We can't do it on our own, but we could if God was working in our life. And we need to, that's what we need to do, invite people into this process. So this year we want to look at a Christmas challenge. We're asking that you give us one year as Lakeview and see what God can do for you. Actually, it's not that you're giving us a year, you're giving God a, you're giving God a chance. You're saying, okay, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. And see what you can do. And, and it's to see what God can do, not just for you, but through you. God can make a change in your life, and because of the change in your life, you can help make a change in other people's lives. So give us a year. And here we have certain, you can call them program, whatever you want to call them, uh, here at Lakeview, that you can get involved with to start this process. We have uh, coming up the 21 days of prayer. That begins January 8th through the 28th. And that's where every, starting on the 8th, every morning, except on Sunday. Sundays we consider this time our prayer time. But uh, Monday through Saturday, or Monday through Friday, we meet here at 6 a.m. That seems early, but when you get into that habit of coming up here, and not just the habit, is when you understand why we're meeting up here at 6 a.m. It's to pray. It's to ask God for for what he wants to do. It's to ask God for his uh, uh, blessing and, and pray. Uh, there's just something powerful about taking time and putting it aside and saying, Lord, it's just you and me. No distractions. You know, we come in, we'll sing some worship songs, and then we just pray. And we do that for 21 days. When we first started that here at Lakeview, I mean, I am a, I am, I'm a witness, and God is my witness. We were in a time to where the only thing left we had that we could do was just pray and say, Lord, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what's going on. We need, we need your help. And God has done 
wonderful things through this church, not because of what we have done, especially not nothing that I've done, nothing that Daniel's done or Mark has done. It's God alone. You're, you're sitting here this morning because God brought you here. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. And it, and it was all done through prayer. And, we're going to, and we want to keep that prayer going. And it's not just prayer for 21 days. What we want to do is we want that to be part of our lives. Every morning we want to wake up and just give God some time uh, and, and pray and worship him and just say, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to wake up another day. Be with me today. The next thing we also have is our Bible reading. We took it... Uh, we feel like this is another thing. Along with the 21 days of prayer, we thought, well, hey, we need to start spending time in the Word every day. And this plan is here to help. This plan isn't one of those things just to check off and at the end of the year we we're like, oh, we read through the whole Bible this year. Woo, balloons and all that. All this is is a tool to help us every day be in the Word of God. That's all this is, this is for. Because when you're in the Word every day and you start reading that Bible and spending time with God, you may not understand it. <laughs> you're not going to understand all of Leviticus. All of, Hopefully you can stay awake through numbers. Uh, but what, what happens, though, is, is God's seeing that you're trying, and that, that's what the Holy Spirit is here for. He brings understanding to us as we're reading. And you know what? There are many, many times where I have read a passage or I've just read one little verse a, a million times, but there's something about that morning that the Holy Spirit says, okay, you're ready to truly understand this, so I'm going to let you have it. And it'll be a, just a simple scripture, and he'll, and he'll just bring understanding to you. And then it, it, everything will just start making sense as you're reading the Bible every day. And it'll just make it. You'll make a change in your life. I promise you, if you will just commit to one year to reading the Bible, praying every morning, okay, it will make a change. We also have what we call life groups. Now, life groups are small groups, and we have two semesters of those. We do a fall semester and a spring semester. We've just finished our fall semester, and come February, we're going to start a spring semester. If you can, and if you would, please get involved in a life group. It can truly make a change. Change happens in these small groups. And there are usually about 10 people or so um, in a small group. And that's just where, guess what? You get to know each other. It unites us. We get to know each other, and when you get to know each other, you can start helping each other. You may have problems you're going through, and you share them in the small group. Well, hey, someone else may have been through that or is going through it too and we're there to help each other iron sharpens iron and we just start helping each other out life groups can we can can help you do that and eventually maybe you would want to lead a life group that's what we really want is is we don't want to be a church with life groups we want to be a church of life groups uh, if that makes sense to you and the last thing is we have what we call dream team Dream teams is kind of what helps run this place. You've got worship dream team. You've got 
uh, first impression stream team that greets everybody that comes in. And you got my favorite hospitality dream team that gives the donuts and the coffee waiting for you every Sunday morning. Uh, I got a bigger amen in the first service, so y'all must have already had your stuff, so you might not need it. Uh, but you have hosp- hospitality, you have outreach, you have first responders. Just being involved in a group and helping the church out, uh, you know, it can make a change in your life because you're working with others. You're seeing how the church works. A lot of things in this church doesn't happen because angels show up at night and do the stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you it actually takes work sometimes. <laughs> uh, we've got a lot of people that, that give their lives and, and do a lot of a lot of work around here that many of you will never ever see or ever know that they even did anything. But in the end, it makes a difference and it puts you apart of making someone else's life changed in Christ. So everything we do in the church is, for, is, to, is to put the word out there and for people's lives to be changed. So as a church, we're looking at declaring another declaration that 2023 will be the year of reconciliation. We need husbands and wives coming back together. We need uh, sons and fathers, mothers and daughters, you know, family, taking that first step in Christ saying, look, yes, we've got issues, but we can have a truce and we can make this work. And we can bring those balances back to zero through Jesus in the Holy Spirit and reconciling ourselves back to God. That's what we hope you would take this year and and commit to giving your life back to Christ or or giving your life to Christ if it's your first time. And just, you know, I know the the scripture does say, you know, to not test the Lord, but there are certain areas that the Lord wants us to test him in. Uh, One is giving, and we went through a whole series of that. You know, he says, test me and see that I won't fill your barns up, you know, and when it comes to, to doing things for the Lord, he will, once you take that step, you don't have to take a big step. Sometimes it's just in your heart, and God will already be there, and he'll take care, and he'll walk you through it. And he'll make a change in here. This is what's important. What we do out here, I mean, it's important, but what happens? If it doesn't make an eternal change in someone's life, then this big building, what we do here, is, it doesn't mean anything. And it's all got to be done in love. Like that little video said before, we need to make love contagious. That's something we want to spread. Now, your flu and your COVID, you keep to yourself. Okay? Yeah. Uh-huh. You need to eat, you need to eat another one of your candy canes there. Uh, but we want that love. That's what Jesus said. They will know, they will know who you are by your love for one another. It is so important. So important that Paul said, I could speak with the tongues of angels, but if I don't have love, it's just a sounding brass. I could give everything I have to the poor, but if I don't have love, he said, I am nothing. Love is everything. Now, the true first Christmas truce, have to be careful how I say that, the true first Christmas truce happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus came and was laid in that manger. He, because of what he did, he brought a truce between us and God, and then he reconciled us to God. In Luke 2, 
10 through 14, it says, now this is the NIV. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I will bring good news that will, excuse me, I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And I know y'all have heard this a million times, but I hope you hear it in a different way this morning. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth to those on whom his favor rest and our prayer this morning is that you allow his favor to rest on you and for his favor to rest on you means that we need to reconcile ourselves back with God through Jesus Christ John Wesley excuse me did I say his name right Charles Wesley sorry wrote this song I'm gonna read the words to you and it may sound familiar says hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Very strong words. And we're going to sing a song. And guess what song it is? It's Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But we want to sing it looking at it through a different light because there's a song added to it called King of Heaven Come Down. And if you would, please, uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. And we want to pray, and then we want to sing this song. Because I want to give a call to salvation. You don't have to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to come down. But if this is your first time and you want to give your life to Christ, or if you've gotten off the mark and you want to come and you need to come back and, and make yourself right with God, just in your spirit or, or under your breath, just... Say something like this. Say, Father, I ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins. We want to be reconciled back with you. And we ask that Jesus comes into our lives and enters into our hearts so that we can become one again with our Heavenly Father. We ask, we just thank you for what your Son did for us. Being born in that, in that lowly manger, giving up all of his riches, giving up him being God, and coming down to earth and saying, you are more valued than anything. And Jesus is saying, I give my life. No one takes my life, but I give my life for you. So you can be reconciled again with our heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you, if you did give your heart to God, please fill out a connection card so we can help you with the next step. If you would, please stand, and we're going to sing this song, and then we'll finish and we'll pray out.
Amen, church. Let's give God a great big praise this morning. Come on. Because He did come down. He brought kingdom of heaven down with them. Just like in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I leave you with just this one little thing? There was an old gentleman that I used to work with at Walmart many moons ago. And his name was Perry. And he would come up to me every day. And, I'm, and he would look at me and he said, Jesus said that, but seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And he would ask me these two questions. What is the kingdom of heaven and where can you find it? Well, being the young man, I always thought that was a trick question. I'm like, he's asking me that because he's wanting to make me look dumb. And he never would tell me. But one day he did. He come up to me and he says, I'm going to tell you what the kingdom of heaven is. And I've got it here in front of me. Romans, you won't have it on the screen, but in Romans 14 and 17. Listen to this so you can understand what that verse, seek ye first kingdom of heaven means. It says, for the kingdom of God is not, this is what it's not, it's not a matter of eating or drinking. Okay, listen. But the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. That is the kingdom of heaven. And where can you find it? It says, in the Holy Spirit. A verse that used to, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I really didn't know what he meant growing up. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. I thought it was some great, uh, you know, hallelujah moment. And all it is, what Jesus is trying to get across to us, like, like the Lord was telling Isaiah, it's just right, his righteousness, his peace, and his joy in the Holy Spirit. Prayer team, would you come forward real quickly, please? If I have anyone on the prayer team, someone come forward and pray for these. If you have a prayer need, please take the time to, to let these people come up and pray for you. We take, this, we take this very important. If you have a prayer need, come up. And I hope that you leave here today changed. We came united. Declare a Christmas truce in your own life. I know this is a hard time of year for many people. I am one of those. Losing two sons, sometimes it's hard this time of year. And I get it. I understand what you're going through. I truly do. But I also know this. We as Christians don't grieve as the world does. Because we have hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And even though we have loss, we can still have joy. We can have his righteousness, his peace, and his joy. That's a promise. That is a promise from God, our Heavenly Father. And he never lets us down. Again, like that little video said, you are not alone. God is with you. God is for you. And God will help you. So let's pray a prayer dismissal. Let me pray a blessing over you, church. And I pray you go out 
And let's not tell people what we don't believe in. Let's tell them who we believe in. And let the Holy Spirit do His part. Father, I thank You. I cannot repay or do anything to repay You for what You did, Lord. But for all of these who are here today, Lord, I pray that the Lord bless You and keep You. I pray that the Lord makes His face shine upon You. And I pray that His countenance be with You. Father, I pray that everywhere these people go, that your blessing and your countenance shines through, that people come to them asking them, what is it you have that makes you different? What And, and can I have it? And let that be an opportunity, Lord, to share your story, the story of your son that came down and made a change in this world so that we can be the, take the first step and start this Christmas truce. And let this truce be just a way of life that, Father, we just become reconciled with you and we see people the way you see them. We value people the way Jesus valued me when he hung on that cross and said, you're worth it because I know what my heavenly Father has in store for you. And it's not mourning, it's joy. It's not ashes, it's beauty. He wants to plant us as oaks of righteousness in His name. Church, I thank you today. I bless you in Jesus' name. You are dismissed. Thank you.